So we're going to be spending our time, and uh, uh, we are regular Bible reader is uh, or is not on the list today. So we are going to be. Uh, so I'm just going to read Romans 12. I'll read the full chapter, and then we'll uh, jump into the sermon together. So if you want to get your Bibles and turn there, I'm just in the process of finding it. Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read the whole thing. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For, the, for by the grace given to me, I say, everyone among you ought not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. If prophecy in the proportion of our faith, if service in our serving to the one who teaches in his teaching, to the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, Be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly, never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Uh, Let's pray as we enter into the sermon. God, we just ask that that your message be perfect and complete, even as it comes through an imperfect person, that what is heard would not be my words, but what is heard today would be your words. And uh, we ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. I love uh, the end of that chapter because it quotes the Proverbs where it says, do good to your enemy for in doing so you will heap burning coals onto their head. And I just really appreciate that, the, that even Paul seems to recognize that we have that desire in us for, uh, for something other than merely uh, just doing good that we also want to heap burning coals onto people's heads too. Um, so we're talking about this before we, this is the last week we're going to spend here before we go into our Advent time. We're talking about transformation. And we've spent a couple of weeks talking about being transformed by the renewing of our minds, about, about offering our bodies, this, this, this bag of meat and electricity 
that, that, that we are encased in, that we offer this to God. That, and we talked about true and proper worship, about those things that, that we do, that, that offering ourselves to God and how we ought to do that. And, and, and now I want to focus on this part, this, this do not conform to the pattern of the world. This is interesting because we're placed in the world. This is where we live. We don't have a choice in this matter. We are here. We are in the pattern of the world. And, and we have a tendency within us that in response to this line, do not conform to the pattern of this world, that the, the, the very easy solution that, most, that many Christians throughout history have come up with to this problem is to try and escape the world. Either literally try and escape the world, that we're going to set up our own colonies, or we're going to move out to the desert, or we're going to set up our own little commune somewhere to escape the world. Is this, uh, what's, the, yeah, it's uh, the, the cord's a little bit loose, so I'm trying to accommodate that. Um, so we, we're either going to do it literally by like moving ourselves to a different place, or, or, or practically by, by forming our own cultures that never interact with the world around us. That, that, that we set up alternative schools, we set up alternative radio stations, music, uh, different uh, areas of consumerism, whereby we can set up a, a parallel culture to the world so that we don't ever have to associate with the world. We've got our own baseball league, we've got our own stuff going on, so we never have to conform. And, and, and and, and I can understand the intention of that, that we do not want to conform to the pattern of the world. And this comes from the, the, the literal Greek word, and I'm going to have trouble pronouncing this one. The literal Greek word in here is, uh, is syschematizte, uh, okay? So that's the word that we're using here, which is in the passive sense. And, and what it literally means is molded, Okay. In the same way that something would be molded by a cookie cutter, then, then that is the word that is being used here. Don't, do not be formed by the cookie cutter of the world. Do not be squeezed into the world's mold and take on its shape. And it's interesting because even though that we're called to do this, we are in the world's mold. We have no choice about that. And, and, and we're called to be in the world's mode, mold, whether we like it or not. We're not called to escape this world. This is, this is consistent, and it's clear in Jesus' ministry in John chapter 17. He says, uh, when, when Jesus is praying for his disciples before he goes to the cross, he says, this word is his prayer. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. This is as clear a statement as we get that, that, that what we've been called to is to be in the world, whether we like it or not. As much as there is something in us that would prefer to escape, as much as there is something in us that would prefer to get away from this world and, 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 its, and its corruption and its evil and all of these things, this is where God has placed us. And, and this is not a, a, a diversion from what we have been taught throughout Scripture. This is entirely consistent. In Psalm 23, uh, uh, the, the, the poem that David writes, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, right? So in the presence of our enemies, oh, that's what's going on. That's better. Okay, sorry. Um, in the presence of our enemies, we're called to, to sit and dwell there. So we're called to be in the presence of our enemies. God didn't say, like, run away from your enemies, and then I'll prepare a table before you. He didn't say, like, get out of the world, and then I'll save you. He didn't say, get out of the world, and therefore don't be conformed by it. What Jesus is praying for is that, is that their expectation of prayer is that, 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 that we would not escape, but that we would be safe. 
And this is consistent with a God who, who sets a table before us in the presence of our enemy. This is consistent with a God who becomes flesh and moves into the neighborhood as Jesus did. This is consistent with a God who asks us to be in the world and not of the world. But we are called, again, to not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't be molded by the world, but rather be transformed. Now, this transfer, this is where it gets difficult because it's like, what are we talking about when we talk about transformation? Well, this is a word that's easier to pronounce, and it's, I think, in some ways easier of us to, to wrap our heads around. And, and, and this word is uh, meta, metamorphoste, which is metamorphosis. That's the place that we get this. And, and metamorphosis is a, is a process that, that, that most of us are familiar with. Um, and I think I will defer to someone who is more recently taking an elementary school science class. Um, what have you guys learned about metamorphosis? Oh, you, you, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear about Teen Titans Go. <laughs> you didn't learn that yet? Okay, sorry. Yeah, exactly. So it's a process by which uh, uh, the insect, the way that we use the word, it's a process by which insects or amphibians or sometimes fish as well will go through a massive and drastic change where they where they transform from being one kind of creature into another kind of creature. The most famous of this is is in the transformation of a caterpillar into a butterfly. It goes from being uh, one kind of insect that I forget the name of to another kind of insect that I forget the name of. Um, but it's interesting that, 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 that what, this is what we're called to do is we're called to metamorphosis and transform. We're called to stop being one thing and start being another thing. That, that, and this other thing that we've been called to be, we have that thing in us. The potential for that thing is always in us. That, that, that the, the, the desire for that thing is always in us. The ability to be that thing is always in us. But it's, it, 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 there's this, in the mold is where that happens and we're transformed. And that's interesting for us because it's in the mold of the world, in the cookie cutter of the world, that we are called to transform. So we're not supposed to exit it. We're supposed to be in it. And, and what this allows us to do is acknowledge the pressures that are being exerted on us by the mold of the world. The mold of the world has pressure that it is, that is, that it is exerting on us. It is squeezing us. And the intention of this opposition is to cr crush us and to form us in the pattern of the world. So when the, in, the, in the mold of the world, we face trials and temptations. We face desires that, 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 are, that are discordant. We face desires for things that we don't want and destroy us. We, we face jealousies and stress and injustice and, and, and just frustrations and anger and all of these things push us to conform us to the pattern of the world that we're being squeezed by all of these opposing forces to, to become what the world wants us to be to become what everyone else is and when we understand this this allows us to acknowledge the forces that are being pushed on us and squeezed on us by the world. I don't want to in any way diminish the dangers of this world or the difficulties of this world or the frustrating pressures that are being pushed on us by the mold of this world. But what's fascinating for us in this context and the way that Paul uses these, these words 
is that what Paul is saying, that the, what the world intends for evil, God intends for good. Because all those trials and tribulations, all of those temptations, all those dis- discordant desires, all those things that are trying to squeeze us into being what the world wants us to be, God is using those things to make us new. Because we are called to be transformed then by the renewing of our mind. And this is, is interesting. So now I'm going to go with another Greek word, so we're just deep in the text. And this is a, this is a, the, the word that's used here for renewal is, is anakinos, which might be a word that Paul invented. It only it seems to exist in the two places that Paul used it. And basically what it is is that Anna at the beginning is a, uh, is a increasing prefix, right? So basically it's a prefix uh, to a word that whatever it's attached to, it intensifies the thing behind it. So like it's a, you know, so it's a, it, it, it basically takes whatever the word is and, and cranks it up by a couple. It's an intensifying prefix. Uh, and then kinos just means to make new or to refresh, so in the mold, in this mold of the world, what, what Paul is saying is that, is that we're called not to, to, to be forced into the cookie cutter of the world. We're not supposed to take on its shape, but rather we're supposed to metamorphosis into something else by, by having this renewal of our minds, by, having thing, by seeing and interacting with the world differently within the context of the mold that we're in. And I really struggled to figure out what this looked like. I really struggled a lot to try and, what does this renewal of the mind look like? What is happening to us in this mold of the world? What is different about us that enables us to do it? Because I feel myself very easily being conformed to the pattern of this world. Even though, even though I, I, I do this for a living, even though I, I believe myself to be a Christian, even though other people see me as a Christian, and, and I want to be formed into completely following Jesus, the reality is I find that in my heart what I want a lot of the time is exactly what everybody else in the world wants. That's what I'm trying to be honest about. So I really struggled with this idea of, 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 uh, uh, of renewing my, what does this mean to renew my mind? And as I thought and as I prayed about, the clo- prayed about it, the closest thing I could get uh, was uh, I was reminded of something last night, yesterday, as we uh, took, uh, I took Zoe to get uh, uh, her haircut, and Zoe got a new haircut, which she was very excited about. Um, but as she got her haircut, I held her glasses for her. And uh, I don't know if you have noticed this about my uh, daughter, uh, as she is amazing, but uh, she never cleans her glasses, and they are the most filthy and disgusting things that I have ever seen. And I don't know how she sees, because everything is seen through a film of grease and gross. Like, that is, I'm not trying to be mean, but that's just the way it is. There's just this layer of fingerprints and and... And I don't know what else is on there. So as I wiped them off, I was because I could not stand it, I, I cleaned them off for her. And then, I, and then when she put them back on, I could see her go like, oh, <laughs> the world is out there. And I was reminded of that, and I'm going to throw everybody under the bus this morning. Um, but I was reminded of the first time I got glasses, which was also in grade eight, the same Ages of my mom, uh, as, as Zoe is now. And I got glasses for the first time in grade eight. And, uh, and I needed glasses probably for about four years before that. Um, but I didn't get glasses 
because my sister had wanted glasses when she was the same age and lied about it. Um, but as the third child, you're mostly feral and your parents ignore your needs. And uh, I can say that because my mom is here right now. Um, but I remember being in grade eight and, and having not seen well for probably a good four or five years. And then I got glasses for the first time and I was like driving with my mom like home and I was like, there's a pond over there? You know, I could see everything clearly and in new ways that I had never seen the before. And things that didn't make sense about the world all of a sudden made sense because I could see them. And things that, that appeared to be just blurs were now, now had edges and boundaries and corners. And things that, that used to be just the unknown was now clear. And, and, and I think that this is what we're talking about when we talk about the renewing of our minds. That, that we see differently. That, that, that when we sit at the table that God has, play, that, that, that God has uh, set in the midst of our enemies, that when we sit at that table, we don't just see our enemies, but we see primarily and fundamentally and clearly and with all of its sharpness and sharp edges, we see that God is sitting at that table and that matters more than anything else in the world. We see not just the injustice and destruction of the cross, of Jesus being overcome by the powers of empire and the powers of this world, but we also see that he did that willingly on our behalf. We also see in all of its edges the resurrection and the life that is available for us on the other side of it. We see not just the trials that we are facing and the, and, and, and the fears that we are experiencing in this world, but we also see that God is in the midst of those trials and he is using those to bring us to maturity. The renewal of our mind is, in, is at least in part seeing the pattern of this world for what it is and not being conformed to it, understanding that the pattern of this world, no matter how strong that mold seems, no matter how unwielding that mold is as we're in the midst of it, but that pattern of understanding that the pattern of this world is temporary and that the pattern of this world is completely under the control and the purview and power of a sovereign and almighty and loving God. And that because God is loving, because God is bringing us to maturity, because God is good and in control, that the mold of this world is not a mold, but it is a cocoon. And it is a, and it is a cocoon where we are transformed into what God has always intended for us to be. And when we understand that we're in a cocoon rather than a mold, we allow the cocoon to do its work until such time as we're ready to be revealed in all of our butterflyness. That's not a real word. Um, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for correcting my uh, biological vocabulary. Um, a moth is not a butterfly. Thank you, Hoxley Workman. Um, I have no idea where I am right now. Um, when we're in the cocoon, we allow, well, sorry, when we're in the chrysalis, when we understand that we're in a chrysalis, we allow the chrysalis to do its work until we can be revealed in all of our butterflyness. And then we can approve and test what God's will is, his good pleasing his perfect will. 
So this is the challenge for us as we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. This is the challenge for us as we enter into everything that we face, be it, be it a congregational meeting, be it whatever you've got to do this week, be it a gray cup that the Eskimos are not in because somebody decided that we didn't need to make the playoffs this year. Um, you know, whatever it seems to be that we're facing, are we understanding and choosing to see this these pressures that are being exerted upon us as a mold, or are they a chrysalis that God has created for us to be transformed? Are we allowing the, the, those things to do their work in order that we be brought to maturity? And if you don't want to listen to me, and there's many reasons why you ought not to listen to me, but if you would prefer not to, I understand that, but I want to to share with you another passage of words that is saying essentially the exact same thing that I've been saying for the last 20-some-odd minutes. Because James says this at the beginning of James chapter 1 and verse 2. He says, Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This is what God is talking about. Don't, be tra- don't, be, don't live in the mold. Understand that the mold is a chrysalis and you are being formed into what God has called you to be and to participate in that rather than being satisfied with the mold that the world has given us. Let's pray. God, it's difficult It's, easy, it's difficult for us to hear this word because it's easy for us to understand it intellectually. It's easy for us to sit and be like, yes, count it all joy when I face trials of many kinds. It's easy for us to sit here and, 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 and acknowledge that as fact with our words. It is very different for us to experience that in our spirits as we're facing things that are difficult. And we would ask that you would help us to do that. We can't do it on our own. We need you. And we need, and and, and we are grateful that even as Jesus was facing the cross, he experienced doubt, and we are grateful that that you carried him through that, and we are grateful that, that we are not tempted in any way, that you have not been tempted yourself. But we ask that that you would still be with us and help us to acknowledge what is true, help us to live in light of what is true, and help us to, to, to forcibly deny what is untrue and what is false. We pray that, that, that this world would not conform us, that we would not become shaped by the cookie cutter that this world has produced, but rather we would be transformed into what you have called us to be whatever that looks like, and no matter whether the world interprets that as beautiful or hideous, that we would be confident in in becoming what you have called us to be. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.